This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. My name is Jeremy Poplin. That is Matt Hubbard. You're listening to the Blitz 1170. By the way, you can download our app. Take us anywhere. We're mowing the yard during the summer, popping those earbuds. Make sure you use the proper ear protection over the top of that. <laughs> Don't want you to have tinnitus. Tinnitus? No, it's tinnitus. I'll tell you what. My grandfather has tinnitus. Can confirm it's called tinnitus. No, it's tinnitus. You need to look that up. That's actually how it's pronounced. You've been saying it wrong, as has your grandfather, for years. It's tinnitus. Yeah, I'm not going to tell my grandfather that. Okay, that's all right. I will. Yo, Pops, it's tinnitus. <laughs> it's 208. Let's welcome in Dean Rule here on the Blitz 1170 from the Tulsa World. What's up, Dean? How are you, buddy? You know, I'm not surprised that Matt Hubbard is wrong about something that's totally uh, <laughs> shocked. Damn, what did I do to this? <laughs> Dean just from the top rope as soon as he comes in. Matt's just taking shrapnel, <laughs> even from the phone line today. Absolutely love it. What's going on, Dean? How was your weekend, buddy? Hey, I mean, it was a grinder of a weekend, you know. Memorial Day is never a... Uh... You know, it'd be nice to get a day off in there, but when you got baseball going on and softball in full force, there's no off days at this point in the season for me. No, there's not at all. So where do you want to begin? You want to begin with softball and this uh, the run that the Cowgirls are on and at completely flipping the script. Um, there, there was not hardly any drama, it seemed, at all. From the Super Regional with Oregon, that was a, hey, we're here to take care of business. We're here to completely demolish you, especially in game two, and go on about our business and act like that this is where we're supposed to be and it was never going to be in any doubt whatsoever. What a dominant weekend it was for the Cowgirls. I mean, yeah, every aspect, they shined it. You know, the balanced attack, they, I think you put it perfectly, they just went in took care of business, said, we're going back to our, you know, we're going to number our fourth consecutive women's college world series and and you're not going to stop us. And I said, uh, I think it was last week on, on this segment, uh, you know, if they make it to the women's college world series, everybody's going to forget that they lost 11 of their last 13. And here we are and they're in there. And I think people are all of a sudden excited about OSU softball again. And, you know, this was a team, if we think about it, if we look at the season as a whole, they hung out at the right behind OU in you know national rankings at number two, and they were number one in the RPI for a little bit. This team has all the talent, and they've got the. I think the stock is trending up again for them, and you know especially going into this. And if they, you know, can string together a few wins, and they've been within arm's reach the past two years of being in the uh, championship series, and they've they've fallen short each time, and maybe this is the year they get over the hump. Who knows? Just ask their opponent how good they are. When Florida State rolled in here in March, I know they got the opening game of that series, but after that, Oklahoma State closed the door and got two uh, against a very good Seminoles team. Uh, But this is also a team now that outscored opponents in five games of the regional and super regional, 37-3, to and then at one point retired 36 straight hitters between games one and two. Uh, firing on on all cylinders. I think you bring up the the best point of all. They were able to sneak in. No one is going to talk about the losing streak or at least forget about it. 
they are still as a as formidable as an opponent of of anyone that's going to be in Oklahoma City this weekend. Yeah, I mean they've got the you know the pedigree is there, the experience is there, the talent is there. I mean OU is in and of itself on its own tier, but you know OSU they they proved they they showed the ability to turn it around, which I think was the biggest concern was especially with their regional. I thought it was one of the tougher regionals out there, I said, you know, they could easily lose this to Wichita State and their season ends and, you know, they just kind of whimper out of, of the tournament, but they've turned it around. I mean, the pitching staff, you said it, 36 straight across two games, 36 straight batters retired. That's insane. I mean, that's a stat. And that pitching staff down the back half of the, or the, I guess, final stretch of the regular season there was more to be desired, I think. And all of a sudden they've turned the switch on that. They've turned the switch on the offense. Uh, it's all firing on all cylinders right now. And I think that really gives them a strong chance to, to maybe do something this week. Well, but their season, they with the way that things were going with Maxwell and, and a few of the other pitchers, um, they were not going to go very far at all. They they have to have them be dominant, which is what they've been consistently throughout their career, especially Kelly Maxwell. And the dominance is is back for her. And there was never any doubt. I mean, if you were to go back and and watch games during that stretch in which they weren't good compared to now, I mean, it it's almost like it never even happened when you just watch her, especially from this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, there's so much you can say about Kelly Maxwell and. You know, I'll shamelessly plug a story of mine. I pick up your Tulsa World tomorrow morning or check us out this uh, this afternoon. I'll have something on Kelly Maxwell. And just about her, you know, Kenny was saying that it, it, there's this database they use where people log pitches and, and at-bats. And he said there's probably 3,000, and all these Division One teams use this. And he said there's probably 3,000 pitches from Kelly Maxwell in this database that teams can just examine and break down and get spin rate, velocity, all these things. And he said, you know, it's, she's at such a disadvantage at this point in her career because she's thrown so much. They've used her so much. And now there's all this information out there. And so I think it's, if anything, it's a testament to just how good she is because there's all this information on her and she's still able to go out and, you know, almost throw a perfect game in a super regional. Overall, uh, Gajewski's been pretty emotional during this stretch, hasn't he? I mean, I think it goes to show you a little bit about um, more of the type of guy that he is. And I'm not saying that he wasn't emotional, but also about how much a little stretch where they kind of hit the skids for a bit um, kind of took out of him and to get back to this point. I, I, it's He's been very open and honest about the emotional aspect of a run like this. Yeah, I think Kenny Gajewski will be the first person to tell you that Kenny Gajewski is an emotional guy, um, especially at this point in the season where it's winding down and these are emotional games and there's a lot on the line and a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, I mean, he said he said this has probably been the hardest year of coaching just for himself, just personally, um, because, you know, they faced some criticism this year. The Down the, down the final stretch there, they – Kenny Gajewski, I think, is – nationally a, a well-liked guy, but this team faced some criticism this year and, and he he handled that. And, you know, they made some staff changes uh, in the off season that took some time to adjust to. So 
I think especially the the emotion that you said, you know, speaking of the emotion he had this past week when they clinched their spot, you know, he said, hey, just kind of was a little overwhelming thinking about we've been able to accomplish this for a fourth time. Meanwhile, it's been, you know, a, a tough year on him. Moving on to uh, baseball with Dean Rule, who joins us here from the Tulsa World, covers Oklahoma State. Uh, before we even get into any of the regional aspects, Big 12 tournament, uh, you can sum up the tournament to me by just simply saying that TCU went on an absolute tear. I mean, their offense speaks for itself. Four games, 48 runs. That also seems a little bit unfair. <laughs> they won two games by run rule. I mean, for crying out loud. The Cowboys ran into an absolute buzzsaw on Sunday, but that's not to take anything away from how Oklahoma State picked themselves up off of the mat to kind of tear through the loser's bracket there in the Big 12 to even make it to Sunday. That was as impressive as anything. It's just TCU was on a different level this weekend. Yeah, TCU, you know, they're young and they're talented, and I think that, speaking of stuff just firing on all cylinders, I think the TCU offense was firing on all cylinders, and and we obviously saw that um, throughout throughout last week in in Arlington. And for OSU, I think uh, it it showed a lot about just what this team is is built on, and, and they're able to kind of rally, and obviously the wheels fell off, against TCU just because they had no pitching left. Nobody was, uh, you know, rest well rest enough. I mean, they're putting walk-ons out there who haven't thrown a pitch in a college baseball game ever. Uh, what, I mean, it's a good story. That, that that kid has a good story. But regardless, yeah, it, there's just not enough left in the tank for that championship game. But regardless, it's a strong end to, to their season. And I think it's a big part why they kind of – I was thinking they were going to be 14, 15 uh, – in terms of regional, and we see them jump up to 11. Um, but your consolation prize is you got a a you got a really tough regional, and then even if OSU comes out of that, uh, you're looking at Vanderbilt down the down the pipe. But mission accomplished, though, because to me, I didn't really see. I think we even had discussed this. I didn't see them getting into the top eight at all. But considering having that three team tie for first place. And knowing that Texas crashed out early, you ended West Virginia's season. Anyone that had an opportunity to host a regional, uh, I mean, it was kind of up in the air for a lot of those teams, right? And Oklahoma State was able to get the job done to get them to this point, at least to host the regional side of it. They've still got to feel pretty good about what they did uh, being the lone representative to host a regional out of the Big 12, basically off of their run there in Arlington. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that three-way tie, those other two teams burned out. OSU was able to to string together a, a good run, and I think they, I think even going into the week, even if they didn't make it as far as they did, I think OSU probably was still a regional host. Um, I didn't think they could work up into the top eight. That seemed pretty set in stone at, at the start of last week, but oh uh, yeah. It, I think if you're if you're an OSU fan, then I don't think there's too much you can complain about in terms of their performance uh, over the week, and especially playing what would it be six games in five days. Yes, I, I think I think that's something to, to hang your hat on, and, and you know we'll see if they can carry that momentum into into the Water Regional. 
Uh, Josh Holiday was kind of right in the way that he kind of summed up the Big 12 Conference, by the way, which he didn't feel like that a lot of them were getting respect. I see Pete Hughes up at Kansas State, you know, sending out statements and uh, all this other stuff. But uh, Oklahoma State being that only team, but like you said, not really any favors with ORU and then Dallas Baptist coming in at two teams that they have at least experience with. Oh, yeah, and also on top of that, you welcome in Washington, uh, just in terms of on paper, does this seem to you, Dean, like to maybe be one of the more difficult regionals that exists in baseball? I was trying to do, I was doing a little bit of just quick math yesterday, looking at the bracket. And I would say if it's not the, now people disagreed with me a little bit yesterday on Twitter when I said OSU is probably one of the hardest regionals. Um, I would say it's probably the second hardest. I think the Clemson, Clemson regional, and you got Tennessee in there. That seems like a gauntlet a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say the Stiller regional is probably the second hardest one out there. Uh, Fayetteville is kind of tough too because you got TCU coming uh, there. But no, it, it's definitely. I'd say I'd say it's the second hardest one out there. So Oklahoma State's played ORU and DBU twice. They dropped uh, both midweek matchups to uh, ORU. Nine to seven. Last time they played was on May the second here in Tulsa, and then OSU split games with Dallas Baptist. They beat them once in a run rule, twenty to four, and then fell eight zero on March twenty eighth. That feels like forever ago with those two games that are there, um, but still very difficult. And uh, I know Coach Holiday felt like that. Hey, we've got a work cut out for us if we want to make it through and potentially find our way on to to Vandy if that's the next stop uh, for for Oklahoma State. But uh, there's a lot of work to be done, and now that will solve the ultimate question, which is, all right, yeah, but those are midweek games because I've already heard that excuse come up. I'm like, yeah, or you beat them twice, but ah, those are midweek games. Hey, if you're going to take them lightly, you do that at your own risk. Because I, I would not take it. I know that, that Coach Holiday is not taking them lightly either as they get set to open up on Friday night. No, and he's not because, I mean, I, I, the fact that ORU is a four seed is just, you know, based on the technicality that they have to be a four seed. This is by no means a four seed in terms of talent. This ORU team is good and it's deep. And I think the silver lining is, yeah, you're going to face now a weekend rotation instead of a midweek rotation. But still, you know, you're still facing the same batters. The, big, the, the difference is going to come down to pitching and what you can do there. And if OSU pitchers can shut down OSU batters. If OSU pitching can shut down OSU batters. I think that, that's what it's going to come down to. Um, but no, I, I, you can't take OSU lightly. I don't think you can take DBU lightly. And I don't know a ton about Washington other than just, just what I saw, what I looked up yesterday on them. But, you know, they're not a pushover. They, they look to be a solid team. They finished third in the Pac-12. Just all, all throughout, this regional is going to be tough. I mean, whoever comes out of this is going to be, you know, battered and bruised. By the way, Josh Holiday on the Blitz tomorrow morning at 8.45. For anyone that's listening, uh, he will be joining Rick and the morning show. All right. I know that uh, it's uh, no rest for the uh, wicked at all, Dean. And I hope that you're ready for more coming up this weekend as it's that time of the year where we don't know what game times are going to happen, depending on what the wins and losses records are. But uh, if anyone's up for the challenge, I know that you are, my man. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me.
That's Dean Rule joining us here on the Blitz 1170 from the Tulsa World, who covers Oklahoma State. All right, it's 2.23. Take a time out. Live from the Ike's Chili House Studios, serving four generations of Tulsa since 1908. When we come back here on the Blitz, a quick segment where we revisit some of the bigger storylines from the weekend that are not Oklahoma-related. That's next. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.